And we shouldn't be arrogant thinking that this can't happen here in Europe. Like it needs to be, you know, it's something that needs to have a bit of political focus on it to ensure that, you know, these gangsters, you know, the people involved in this illegal trade don't get so powerful that they think they can take on the state, that they think they're bigger or can corrupt the state and use it for their own ends. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The arrest of a Balkan mob boss amidst a massive Europol-coordinated operation against the so-called super cartel leaves just one man standing from the leadership of the gang that controlled a massive 30% of Europe's cocaine market. Eden Gassanen of the Tito and Dino cartel was the third big boss who was a guest at Daniel Kinahan's infamous 2017 wedding to be lifted in Dubai in a multinational operation that saw 49 arrests and the seizure of high-end cars, jewellery, drugs and properties. His arrest follows that of Camorra boss Rafael Imperiale, also identified at the wedding by the US Drug Enforcement Agency, and that of the Dutch-Moroccan leader Ridwan Taji. Today, I'm talking with Sunday World journalist Eamon Dillon about the multi-agency raids in six different countries that netted high-value targets for Europol. We talk about the highly organised operations against the super cartel that has dealt blow after blow to the group and the looming final takedown of the Kinahan High Command still bedded down in an increasingly unwelcoming Dubai. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. It's obviously an extremely coordinated and organised takedown of this European super cartel and really what happened this week, um, Monday morning, this news broke, was the second major kind of target of the finances of this European super cartel. It follows from the arrest of Johnny Morrissey and others in September. So uh, 49 people, I think, uh, arrested, Eamon, is that right? Yeah, this is the the stuff that was coming through Europol, but also then through the, the Dutch uh, Public Prosecution Service and the, the Spanish Guardia Civil also put out statements. So between them all, we were kind of getting a building up a bit of a picture about who and and where exactly the, the arrests happened. So there, there was 49 arrests as well. Um, and they described six of these in Dubai as being high value targets. And two of those were of interest to the Spanish police, two for the Dutch and two for the French. Um, uh, and then there was there was a, there was one other high value target arrested in Malaga, which again seems to be part of the 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 money laundering aspect. They were clear. The Spanish police were quite clear that there was two elements to this. There was the whole um, section of of the organisation whose job it was to bring in the cocaine from South America into Europe through the different ports, um, and then the other the other section was about m- money laundering, and it was about you know moving on the profits for the gang. So what do we know about the high caliber suspects that they got in Dubai or any of them our own Kinahans? It doesn't look like it. <laughs> we can't be fully sure at the minute, but it doesn't look like it. The, the main character that we seem to know that has been arrested is is this uh, Dutch Bosnian mobster, Edin Gassanen, who was, of course, one of these guests at Daniel Kinahan's wedding in 2007. He seems to be the most senior He's wanted by the Dutch authorities. And then there's another another man. His nickname was uh, BJ as well. He's, he seems to be the second highest uh, value target, 37-year-old again. He, he's one of the Moroccan Dutch. 
um, and he's wanted by he, he's wanted by the authorities in in the Netherlands, where we know that the likes of Riddle and Taggy is is currently standing trial, where Mr. Couscous has who's called in the media, uh, Naful Fassi is serving time now for serious crime as well, and of course there was uh, Vega as well, the Chilean. Um, money man and who was you know a close associate of Daniel Kinnan who's serving 11 years there as well so the, the Dutch seem to be pushing this um, although we do know a lot of it has come from that Sky ECC encryption which was led very much by the the, the Dutch and the, the Belgians but the key here this time seems to be the cooperation of I think the the, the police in Dubai where the you know all the all the press releases kind of mention this that they they have a a liaison officer now appointed, the the you know one of the one of the officers now with Europol is actually from the United Arab Emirates and joins two hundred and fifty other police colleagues from around the world in which is basically a, a, a an information exchange. So it does look like it's a it's a fairly big operation. It's Operation Desert Light. So. We'll see. So going back to Daniel Kinahan's infamous 2017 wedding party, the kind of the big four essentially at that was Kinahan, uh, Rido and Taji, who is already before the courts in the Netherlands. Uh, the Marengo trial is ongoing there. Uh, Raphael Imperiale, who has already been sent back to Italy and two weeks ago, his number two appears to have been caught also in Dubai and sent back to Italy. And Eden Gassanen. So we've only one man left standing. Yeah, it's the groom himself or his father, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and we know that they, they're they're clearly wanted by the US authorities. So unless there's something else in plan that we obviously don't know about yet. I mean, as we know, like there's a five million dollar bounty on their head. So it's a matter of time, I think, before they're they're picked up at somewhere in the world. Um I mean, it's it's a huge operation. I mean, the difference, you know, the the Dutch are talking about, you know, the record amount of of um, of drugs having come through already this year. Well, they they're going to set new records with the amount of drugs seized in in Rotterdam, and the Belgians are saying the same coming through Antwerp, and the like. The 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 Spanish police are saying for them this this section of the operation began with a seizure of nearly fifty million euro worth of of drugs um, uh, coming through Valencia. There was also Barcelona, Algeris, I think it's called, as well as another port. So this is this is all part of the same group, the same super cartel, which we know it's not like a strict hierarchy. There isn't a single leader. Like there, there were a group of different, uh, essentially expat Dutch gangs, of which the Kinnahans are one. Um, and they were working together. They each have their own, I suppose, skills that they brought to the table. And the 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 estimates are are staggering. There, you know, some of the some of the reports. With Europol last year, were suggesting that this cartel were responsible for something a third of all cocaine brought into Europe, and figures being put in it were something like you know thirty billion euro. Now whether that's inaccurate, you know we don't know. Um, it seems incredibly high, but they are bringing in record amounts of of cocaine and expanding the market as mm. we've talked about before. Do you know what's just quite amazing that you know you you see these guys they've been in the media for so long now. I mean it wasn't obviously 2017 when we discovered that that wedding was under surveillance by the DEA, but it was probably around 2019-2020 from memory that we kind of started to realize that this uh, super cartel existed that the DEA had invest it, it identified them and that all these countries were working together to dismantle them. But yes, they've obviously been continuing to ship cocaine across the globe and into Europe. I mean, up until this week. 
Well, well, I imagine it's a big ship that you know was already launched. The operation was going, and I mean, if you're if you're buying, you, you know, you know, twenty tons of of cocaine, it's not something I imagine happens overnight. So that deals were obviously put in train. I'm not suggesting that they were, you know, the cocaine being seized in in 2022 was was you know originally a de- from a deal done in 2016. But then the, in terms of how these things operate, that you know the 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 route, the machine would be already running to some extent automatically and wouldn't necessarily need the big guys to meet up again to, to put all this through. I mean, you know, from what we've learned since, you know, about like Christy Kinnan Sr. And, and his what he was doing in Africa seems to me very much setting himself up as a broker, um, you know, so that obviously they're dealing, you know, within the, the, the super cartel themselves and then other, with other associates and they're working out, you know, who's going to pay for what and, you know, wh- where the cocaine is going. And that, you know, it, it was at that level. I mean, there were there were international commodity brokers the same way as people who deal in whatever, uh, sand or bananas or, or concrete blocks. Mm. You know, it was very much, a, you know, a commodity on a huge, huge level. And they're clearly not going to walk away from it without this fight, essentially, you know, while they've been sitting there and we've known that, uh, since last April that the Kinahans are wanted by the US authorities, um, the super cartel has still continued to operate. They've still continued to line their pockets with money. Um, it is something you can't stop overnight, obviously, but it is quite extraordinary to see the amount of work that goes into this and into these big busts. And slowly they're obviously dismantling it. Now, what we what appears to be from this case and what contacts of mine have said is that this is all about the money end of it. This is the financing has been taken down and it is following on from Johnny Morrissey's arrest in September. Um, and by in September, uh, which was, of course, after uh, he had been named as one of the targets by the US Treasury, he'd been sanctioned. He had still managed within that time to have laundered what they said was 200 million. Yeah, I mean, like, like even, even today, some of the, the figures that came out, the, the Spanish police were talking about their, they were talking about, you know, the the financial end of it, and they were they referred to them as people highly trusted by the leadership of, of you know, the cartel located on the Costa del Sol, and they described it as the nerve centre of their financial activities. Um, and they were talking about, um, you know, various, various property, you know, physical property, and as they say, movable property, it was worth about 24 million. Um, and they also, you know, and this is, they were integrating this into the le- legitimate economy is what, the, is, is what their job was. Like as, as part of this particular, this section of the operation, they also they also took in, though the police seized um, half a million in cash and a couple of small handguns, luxury items. There's pictures, I don't know if you saw the video, there's pictures of all the watches being looked at. And there's also a collection of, of high-end cars and motorbikes and, some of those vehicles were worth close to three hundred thousand each, so you're 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 talking about you know some very tidy kind of um, sums of money being wrapped up, and so I mean twenty four million, like I mean how much is that? Is that a, is that a week's worth? Where were they seized? Eamon was, was sorry, were they seized in the United Arab Emirates or in Spain? No, this is in Spain. This is from the the Spanish civil civil guardia, and it, it, they very much said that this part of it was was based around Malaga, the Costa del Sol. And it was very much the kind of the commercial end of it, you know, the financial end of, of the uh, the super cartel, as opposed to the people who were involved in overseeing the shipping containers, bringing in the, the drugs. I mean, there, there's one of the things about the other side of it then about about the the organization um, from from that initial 50 million seizure in March 2020. They were able to, to track down then, I suppose, reverse engineer how it got into the how it got in there. Um, 
and and, and it, it seems to come back to a, a Panamanian citizen based also based in Dubai who was basically organizing the shipments of cocaine from a port in Panama and from there they were being brought into into ports in in Spain that that's from the Spanish end there was also don't forget then we have the Belgian and and the uh, the Dutch end of it as well mm-hmm. and today they were saying that they were targeting the ports they were they were, they were targeting the the they were targeting the I suppose the elements of the of of the gang. I mean, some of them, like two of them, were uh, citizens of, Bul- of uh, uh, from Bulgaria, and they were both considered as as high value targets for Europol. There was three others that were Spanish citizens, Sp- Spanish citizens, and one of them was a worker at the the port of Barcelona, responsible for the entry and exit of vehicles. So these are these are we talked about this before about you know how you know the 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 the, the tide of cocaine money is just so corrupting. Um, and it is, you know, they, they spend a lot of time identifying people in these jobs so that they can smooth the way through so they can get their shipments in. So, I mean, like, you know, and, and don't forget, like, you have to go back to the fact that this is only a third of the cocaine that's coming into Europe. The other 66 percent, mm. we don't seem to, you know, we, we, we don't know anything about at the minute. So, you know, it just gives you an, an idea of the scale of operation that's going on in, 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 in the underworld, in the drugs world. A hundred percent. And in a way, like we have to remember back to when <clears throat> Rido and Taji was lifted. And I think that was the, around the Christmas of 2019. Um, now before he was identified where he was in Dubai, there had been a situation which was controversial enough in the, in the Dutch courts, but, um, two solicitors, two lawyers had gone to meet him, or at least that's what they thought. They were under surveillance and there was a uh, some conversation heard that they were going to meet the boss of bosses and the uh, Dubai police who, who picked them up at their end went with them undercover to a hotel and instead of Ridu and Taji in walked Daniel Kinahan. Um, given all these others who have already been taken down and handed back to their countries that want them we are looking more and more that indeed Kinahan the father and maybe the brother are the boss of bosses of this well there's certainly the, the last guy standing now I mean you know there's so many people who were at that wedding have, have been taken out of the picture like not even just the the, the big guys but we know Johnny Morrissey was was, was there um, and, and, you know, and the other lesser lights, like mm. the likes of Sean McGovern, all these people who are, who are now, you know, there's arrest warrants out for them. So, uh, yeah, 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 I mean, it does look like it that, um, as, as you know, as you say, the boss of bosses, like it was interesting, like some of the language used in the press releases um, today. Um, now, whether it was it, it, it was Google Translate or not, but on, on Spanish, it was, it was the Senores de la Droga and it was coming across as the, as the lords of drugs. Um so I mean, you, you know, they're 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 considered the aristocracy, the royalty of of um, the illicit cocaine market at this stage. But again, as I kind of already mentioned, like I mean, the key has been, I think, the cooperation of the Dubai authorities at this stage. They're obviously keen on, on moving things on. I mean, we saw that with uh, Raphael Imperiali that it actually took the Italian Justice Minister, it took a, a visit from her to the UAE to encourage that to go through. So, I mean, you know, that was a, a huge move. Uh, I mean, whether, you know, obviously that there's, there's, there's more going on behind scenes. I'm sure there's some intense lobbying going on. We know that the guards have been very effective in that and they, they, they certainly 
got the, the, the US interested in the Kinahans and were able to put those like unprecedented sanctions like on, on European drug dealers. I mean, nothing like that had happened before. I mean, you know, we're, we're all so used to watching Narcos and, you know, on, on Netflix and and to, to see the, the likes of Kinahan, you know, Christy Kinahan on, with the same bounty, the same reward money as some of the, the, the top names like El Chapo or whoever, uh, it, you know, kind of gives you an idea how the guards successively, successfully lobbied and managed to, to put together, you know, uh, an international cooperation on this, an international team to take them down. Obviously, they're not the only ones working on it. Uh, it's interesting to see that the French have taken such an interest as well. Um, you know, obviously, they're concerned about the amount of cocaine coming in that, you know, while it's while it's been it's been funneled through these ports in Spain, Belgium and Holland, you know, the end market is all over Europe. It's it's coming, you know, it's coming from there into Ireland, the UK, obviously France, Germany, everywhere else. So, like, you know, it, 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 you nearly wonder, like, it's it's uh, why it's taken so long. Obviously, it's an extremely complex operation uh, when you're working across so many jurisdictions, when you're talking about, you know, um, e- even from different continents, like, having haven't seen the drug routes from Central America via Africa to North Africa and through Spain or direct through ships. Um, it's incredibly sophisticated and complex, the, you know, the whole, the way the super cartel have worked. And it's taken an un- unprecedented level, I think, of, uh, of police cooperation to, to, to get to this point today. So let's go through um, the, the, I suppose, the main man that was lifted today, Eden Gassanen, and what we do know about him. I think you were the first, certainly, journalist in this country to write about the Tito and Dino cartel. These are the Balkan outfit, and he is sort of seen as the mob boss of that outfit. He seemed to have, did he not, the connections directly with the Colombians? Was that my understanding of it initially? He came from, like, he, he was born in Sarajevo, but grew up in Holland. Um, and he, he was very much, you know, he was part of a wider criminal clan. But he was, you know, he, he wouldn't have been kind of at the centre of the clan, you know, early in his career. But, you, you know, he used his connections in, that he made in, um, in Holland, in the Netherlands, uh, and and again, you know, I suppose a bit like uh, Christie had made his own direct contacts with the drug dealers in South America, with the Colombians, which we know became possible because of the whole fragmentation of of the cartels in 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 that area, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, the Europeans were able to get a, a look in, and it wasn't you know up to then it had been pretty much dominated, we believe, by the the Italian mafia at that stage, so. Like he, he was, he, he rose then to obviously greater prominence because of the sheer volume of cash coming in. But like he had um, extensive contacts with the, the criminal underworld, you know, in that part of Europe, um, you know, as well as in Holland and, and was able to, to, you know, build up business. Um, and like the, the Tito and Dino gang, he's regarded as Tito. I think it's an uncle was Dino. I mean, there were stories about, you know, members of the clan, you know, they paid for the local I think SWAT teams they they in 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 various parts of Bosnia Herzegovina they equipped the local police SWAT teams with their with their bulletproof vests and their and their weapons partly so they could use these guys as their own bodyguards. Now th- this was reported, you know, this has been reported in in the media in Bosnia, which is where it first came out. If you remember that DEA report about the 2017 wedding in Burj Al Arab, um, where and and really at that stage. Like we learned about that, I think it was in 2019. Yes. Um, and at that stage, all it did was put these guys together in a room 
but we didn't know anything about how it was working or the existence of a super cartel at that stage. There was no great evidence where this is what this is now. Um, you know, it's coming from this, it's coming from the sky, ECC hack, um, you know, where, where the, the, the various police then were able to kind of, you know, say, well, we know these guys know each other because they're all at this wedding. And then they got the evidence then, you know, thanks to thanks to that kind of encryption uh, break by, by the Dutch or by the Belgians and the French. And that actually kind of was, they were able to gather up evidence then as, as a result of that. I mean, if you look at like we do, like I know we've mentioned it before, the MSC Guyane. I mean, that was all Montenegrin, you know, Balkans um, uh, uh, individuals involved in that and control from that. So, I mean, that that was very much uh, that was very much kind of you know put on 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 tito um that one and, and certainly there was a there was a peruvian prosecutor known as the iron lady who, had, who has gasoline in her sights as well as, as very much targeted what she sees as his operation in peru which you know which we know where the the cocaine from the ms msc Guyane came from which i think um speculated anyway that some of that 20 tons was destined for ireland and could even be part of the reason why the Americans are so keen now on getting their hands on Kinnan because, of course, it was seized in Philadelphia, putting it on U.S. soil, making them of interest. You know, it was, it was the single biggest seizure by the customs in, in the U.S. is the second biggest seizure of cocaine ever. So, you know, it, it's just it's a, it's a colossal it was a colossal seizure. So, you know, there's a lot of careers going to be made out of it. So there's a lot of enthusiasm to try and, you know, capture these guys. I think it was the first one billion as opposed to, you know, how many hundred millions. Um. Ridwan Taji, as we've mentioned, was lifted in 2019 and returned to the Netherlands. He headed up a group of what was once street dealers um, in the Netherlands. He's a, a Dutch Moroccan, the very violent grouping, um, largely made up of um, members of some of them anyway, a, a family, which gives them that blood bond, which is very difficult to break into for law enforcement. He, since he has been up on charges in the Netherlands, he is suspected of being behind a number of murders and um, are certainly to have ordered them. One being a, a journalist, Peter Ordevries, another being um, the, the brother of the state witness who was to give evidence against him and another being a criminal lawyer who was representing that state witness. Uh, he has caused absolute chaos in the Netherlands before he was lifted and after. Um, and I think they have now secured that situation by the sounds of it um, in 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 Holland. So he is on, he's going on through the courts. And obviously you mentioned Noafal Fassi, Mr. Couscous. He's serving a lengthy sentence there. They were all being tried in the Netherlands for a number of gang murders, gang-related murders. And I think Taji and at least 17 members of his gang are on trial in that in that Marengo case. Raphael Imperiale, the Italian connection, um, he was considered one of the biggest drug traffickers in the world and he was very much wanted by the Italians. He heads up the Camorra Mafia, which is a, a serious Naples-based um, Italian mob. And I think there was certainly a belief in Italy that he would never be caught. He seemed to be so seen as so untouchable, but he was photographed sitting on the side of his bed by the the the, the uh, Dubai police and uh, video footage of his arrest was um, 
sent all over the world through press releases. So they're making a real stand here as well. And Dubai police and the United Arab Emirates, while they're heavily criticised for the amount of criminals that have washed up on their shores and are living there um, and certainly have been living there very openly for years, they do seem to be working with Europol. And I think in the press releases today from Europol, they pointed out in particular in recent months, they have now got two sort of representatives of the United Arab Emirates sitting in Europol positions. Yeah, we, and we've seen more of that. Don't forget, in, in, in recent years now, we also have a full-time guard liaison in 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 uh, Colombia as well. Um, but certainly, in terms of getting the the, the UAE, the Emirates, the Emiratis, and in, in, you know involved has been, I think, key to this. Um, so whether we'll see more more or not, who knows? But uh, like you know, it, it has been. I mean, part of their initial, I suppose, um, kind of business model was this you know, kind of, it was a tax haven. Mm. It was very much a place to do business. You know, they had various free ports at the time where, you know, there was no tax on, on, on goods coming and going. And that was very much, I think, to kind of, um, that was the kind of fast track to, to build themselves up as a financial center. And which you can argue that they've successfully done now at this point. And so now they really, if they want to stay part of the system, the, the, the global system, they're going to have to tighten up on the rules a bit. I mean, they've obviously come under immense pressure um, you know, I mean, like apart from the drug dealers, there's going to be pressure on about, you know, Russian oligarchs laundering their money. We're like, you know, for all the, you know, the Kinnahans are on that OFAC list, the, 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 the Office of Foreign Asset Control, along with, you know, the major players of, you know, people who are the, the owners of, of Russian state-owned diamond mines and so on. And, and Dubai has been key to, to these people being able to move their money. So, I mean, it's 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 going against that backdrop. It's just not, you know, it's it's you can't really separate the two. Mm. So in a way, this is an easier way. I, I would imagine for the Dubai authorities, you know, you're not going to lose any, you know, points for for handing you know for handing over the drug dealers. You know, they might they might drag their feet a little on on the people who are more living in the grey area. If they're you know they're okay, the the Americans might like them dealing with the with the Russians, but as far as they're concerned, you know they still have their clients there. They still have their Chinese clients, or from you know whatever sanctioned countries. Like I mean, why should they necessarily do everything the Americans say? But if they if they if they play ball with the criminal uh, element, you know it gives it gives them a way out. It, it certainly gives them you know it gives it gives the impression that they're they're tidying up their their financial situation. I mean, and they're not doing anything different than any of the other. European-run financial centres did years ago, you know. Um, it, it, but it's you know what's acceptable, you know, changes over the years. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, like during the financial crash, there was a figure came out of something like three hundred sixty-five billion worth of black money um, went into the into the into the banking operation. I remember reading this somewhere and thought that has to be wrong. And I looked up the original report, and three hundred sixty-five billion was the correct figure. And they figured that the the entire international financial system would have run out of cash only for this money. And it was literally, this is the money that was taken out of cavalry walls and dug out of, out of maritime containers buried in whatever, the desert or the bogs around Europe and, and South America and North America and was basically put into the, into the banking system. So, I mean, like in one sense, it's nothing new, but, but that's, you know, that's, as you said, like that's the key, I think, to, to going after the super cartel is chasing their money. It's shutting off their shutting off that pipeline and they will lose their power. And presumably, um, you know, whatever money there is that has gone in and been shored up in the Emirates, the Emirates get to keep. 
if these guys are sent back and, and they presumably have their own, um, you know, equivalent of whatever the Criminal Assets Bureau is over there, whatever's left in bank accounts or left in property over there, the authorities in, in the Emirates will keep that. The Spanish obviously will, uh, you know, seize and keep once it's not challenged and, and fought in, in the courts of law. All those high end cars, etc. The drugs are going to have to be burnt um, destroyed. They're not of any financial value to any any state, but the cash that's there, the properties that are there. So there is a benefit for every country that has got involved in this. Um, there's a payback for them, really. They're going to take back all that those assets into their own exchequer. Uh, in the same way we have here through the Criminal Assets Bureau. Maybe we'll talk later in the week about some of the cases that have come up in the courts recently because there's a few interesting ones. Um, but I think, I mean, this was big, big news today. And, you know, it, it's going to be, it's we're going to watch all the international media to see what uh, elements of the story they will get because, um, you know, from France to the Netherlands, Belgium, there's going to be a you know a, a ripple effect with this story. This is such a massive big uh, blow on these drug traffickers that I think over the rest of the week there's going to be sort of smaller stories coming out that will maybe give us a, a bigger uh, picture of what of what's happened. Um, but there's definitely more to come, and you'd have to imagine that the next wave is the final one, and. It has to be surely the final takedown, given that there is only one sort of uh, arm of this super cartel left standing and they're the Irish. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, all right, you know, what comes from this. You know, I, I certainly think there's a, a political will there as well, because when you have a cartel that is becoming so big, they need to be they need to be kind of rolled back because, again, as we've talked about before, you know, just the, the sheer level of money, they're at the point where you can start buying politicians mm. You can possibly in some democracies, some, you know, where they mightn't be as, as as strong or robust as they should be, that you can get cabinet level sort of politicians working for these people or doing them favours. So, I mean, there's a real necessity to avoid that kind of destabilization effect that, you know, has blighted the likes of Mexico and, and, and Colombia. And we shouldn't be arrogant thinking that this can't happen here in Europe. Like it needs to be, you know, it's something that needs to have a bit of political focus on it to ensure that, you know, these gangsters, you know, the people involved in this illegal trade don't get so powerful that they think they can take on the state, that they think they're bigger or can corrupt the state and use it for their own ends. And of course, you know, the demand isn't going to change, is it? Because it seems to be Europe in particular seems to have this insatiable demand for cocaine. And it's to do with the wealth of Europe, isn't it? And, you know, the 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 income that people have and what they're able to spend. You don't see this same wave of cocaine going into poorer nations. It's all coming at the rich countries of Europe. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the market in, in in Europe has has expanded and it, it's partly because there is more and more cocaine being manufactured, being produced in, in, in South America. Uh, and, it's, you know, to a point that the American market has been somewhat saturated, you know, they're selling as much as they can. And they always, you know, always was a bigger market. So with the kind of the, the, the breakup of, of the major cartels in Colombia, you know, they had to look for, for, for new places to sell their goods. And it's Europe. And, you know, like while the price is very much the same in terms of people going out, you know, buying their, their bag of Coke on a Friday night or whatever they're doing, 
it's pretty much stayed the same, but the, the, the quality and the purity of the drug, you know, has, has improved or it's, you know, to use the, uh, to use that phrase, like, you know, it, it's, it's better than it ever was like in terms of, of, you know, what people are getting for their, for their money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, that's going to, that's going to encourage it. It's not seen as a drug that's, you know, addictive. It's seen as a recreational drug. People use it on a Friday night, maybe not every Friday night or whatever. Obviously, there are people that you know develop serious problems out of it, but you know it's we we know it's 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 endemic. Like everybody, it's not it's not you know street drug users you know sleeping rough. You know it's everybody from all the way up you know to the very top. Like we know that people in our profession, journalists, judges, politicians, you know, the, the cocaine is pervasive. It's everywhere. You know, your postman, your teacher, everybody. You know, you know whatever it is, eight percent of the population are using cocaine on a regular basis and it's right across it's right across society and it's it's the demand is still there and as i said earlier i mean the super cartel might be you know on the brink of of collapse but they're they're only responsible for a third of the cocaine coming in so presumably the other the other cartels will just pick up the business where where they left off Absolutely. Well, look, we'll scratch around on this story for the rest of the week and we'll see what we can find out, including who this Brit is that uh, we don't know yet who that guy is who was supposed to have been kidnapped and or sorry, they attempted to kidnap him and he fled to Dubai. Um, He may have something to do with Johnny Morrissey. But anyway, the bad guys are falling and the good guys are winning for the moment. So we'll come back to the story later in the week and see if we can get any more details. So, Eamon, thanks a million. No worries, Nicola. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.